that's the mom right there. That's Cheryl. Dad was in the first hour. See, April's parents learned the secret of staying together. They attend different Bible studies. <laughs> so that's a good approach. Okay, listen, we're in Psalm 103 today, folks. We're going to be in Jeremiah eventually. But we're still doing a couple Psalms because you requested them. And we are here to please. So we're going to do Psalm 103. And I'm glad, I don't know who asked for it, but I'm glad someone did. I've had a most uh, enjoyable and stimulating time reflecting on it. And I'm uh, grateful for the privilege to uh, guide us through it a little bit today. It's magnificent. It's a Psalm of David, no guesswork. We know that's the case because it says so. Uh, And it begins this way. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Uh, David is speaking. Who is he speaking to? I didn't hear you. Sorry. Could you say it again? I I really can't hear you. He's speaking. No, he's not speaking to the Lord. Thank you for the wrong answer. But he... (laughs) But but uh, you might think so. But he's speaking to himself. Look, bless the Lord, O my soul. Folks, he's preaching a sermon to himself. You're going to see a little more what it is right now. But let me ask you this question. Generally, we think of God blessing us. Now David is telling himself to bless God. Can you please tell me how you bless God who has everything already? How are you going to bless him? Obedience surely does it. Charlie says, put it another way, doing what you're supposed to. Very well said. What else? Honor and praise. You know, that's the one thing he doesn't automatically have. Think about it. He surely is worthy of it and deserving of it, but he invites it. He doesn't compel it. Isn't that good of him? He invites it. David is kind of here preaching to himself, saying, do it, soul. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that is within me, with every ounce of his being, he's saying, be a devoted follower, a worshiper of almighty God. You know what he's saying? I want to worship in the congregation, but I want my public worship simply to be a carryover of my private worship. I don't want my public worship to be a show. I want it to be a normal um, uh, continuation of what I'm doing on the inside. So bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. What what particularly is he calling upon his soul to bless about God? His holy name. Yeah, do you notice that in your verse? Bless his holy name. Does that mean figure out the specific designation of God? No. A name in our society usually means a designation. For instance, I am designated as Stuart. That um, person right there is designated as Skip. Skip only called upon you, and that way it keeps you awake. You never know. I'm going to strike. And so we're doing we're this. This is Charles. This is Charles. Or Betty. These are the names. In Western society, a name designates. But that's not true in Hebrew society. In Hebrew society, his name is kind of a, a representation of the character of the one named. So when David says, soul, bless God's holy name, he's essentially saying, honor God for the totality of his being. He's saying, soul, do you realize what God is like? 
Do you realize his attributes, his excellencies, his perfections, soul? Do you know of the nature of God? Bless his holy. Holy means separated. He's saying soul, bless God who is categorically different. He is not like anybody and nobody is like him. He's holy other. Bless him because of his special perfections. Then he repeats the thought in verse 2, says it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know what he's doing? He is uh, speaking to himself. Uh, He is essentially saying this, come on, soul, get with it. You can do it. He's saying, soul, whatever else it is you're occupied with, let it go and be about the business of honoring, admiring, praising, worshiping God. So what David felt he had to do, we have to do, because worshiping God is a discipline that doesn't come naturally to us. And so we, too, have to kind of give ourselves, if you will, these pep talks. Now, I want to tell you this. If you ever feel that you worship God inadequately, if you ever feel, oh, God, I do not give you the honor and the praise you deserve, I want to tell you something. Don't feel bad about that. That, too, is an act of worship. Because in realizing how inadequately You praise Almighty God, that is giving praise to God. You are realizing that your capacity to worship him and bless him and honor him pales in comparison to how great he actually is. You're saying, I'm in that direction, but I know I'll never get there. I know my praise commitment can never equal what you deserve. How great thou art. My praise is not nearly as great as you are. So if you see the discrepancy between how you bless God And what he is deserving of, that actually is an act of worship. I hope you and I are never satisfied with the way we worship God. I hope we're always struck with a sense, let's call it a holy dissatisfaction. I hope we're always saying, oh, God, you deserve more. And that's what David is saying. Bless him, oh, my soul. Bless him, all. That is within me. The totality of my being ought to be invested in honoring the totality of Almighty God. And that's a tough order. And so sometimes it requires just a little cheerleading that you give yourself. Come on! Sometimes you have to say, soul, stop dwelling on yourself. Soul, stop being preoccupied with the world's situation. Soul, Don't worship anybody's health care plan, good or bad. Soul worship almighty God. You see, sometimes you just have to, you just have to say, get your head out of the newspaper and get your heart uplifted to transcendent deity who is going to ultimately use all things for the good. Then he says in verse two, forget. None of his benefits. You know why he says that to him? 
self because he knows him self. And his self is like ours. Our memories are tricky things. They seem to be inclined naturally in the direction of remembering bad stuff and neglecting good stuff. You don't have to be taught that. It's just if you let your mind go, it's going to normally settle on bad stuff, either bad stuff you've done in the past uh, or your flaws or mistreatment by people or politics or weather that you don't like. I mean, I don't. If you let our minds go, they're not going to normally go up. They're going to go down. They're not going to go forward. They're going to go backwards. So David says, I'm not going to do it. As a deliberate act of the will, I'm going to exercise the self-discipline to remember so as not to forget all of his benefits. You know what he's essentially saying? He's saying, so count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. That's essentially what he's saying. So now here's what he's going to do in the rest of the psalm. He's going to enumerate, feast on, focus on the benefits of Almighty God. So here's where you come in. Let's see if you can recognize what David did. So beginning in verse 3, let's see if we can do this in order. What is the first benefit he doesn't want to forget? Pardon. Oh, my goodness. Just that word. See, pardon, it's, it's either guilty or pardoned, which would you prefer? I mean, it's just, it's like that. Yeah, absolutely good. But, 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 but what if the judge on high um, puts the gavel down and says, case dismissed, go free, you are pardoned. Oh, that is just, you know, that's not wishful thinking. That's what happened. Jesus paid it all. Case dismissed. Go free. What a benefit, folks. Whatever else may be true, whatever else you may be lacking, whatever else is true of you, flaws, weaknesses, the whole deal, I got them too. Uh, even sin. <clears throat> I'm pardoned. So are you. I will never experience the wrath, the judgmental wrath of God. Neither will you. Because he doesn't see me anymore as someone who's committed crimes against him. He sees me as an adopted son who's pardoned. <laughs> pardoned. So this benefit is at the top of the list. I've got to tell you something. You can have everything, but if you don't have right standing with the judge of the universe, you're in a heap of trouble. So that's why David, he puts this right at the pardon. Who pardons how many of your iniquities? I love the word. It's just three letters. All. Just when you're tempted to say, I know you're forgiving, but not some of the stuff I've done. I've never told anybody. No, all means all. Listen, listen. When Jesus obtained your forgiveness, yours and mine, it was uh, how many years ago approximately? 30. 30? No, I, I, I mean when he obtained the forgiveness for the, for the world. About 2,000 years. So, so from the vantage point of the cross, all of your sins and mine were future, Right? When he took the cross and said, Father, forgive them, he obtained our forgiveness 
when yet all the potential of our sin had yet not even been fulfilled. So when this says all, that means even sins you and I have yet to commit. Now, I'm not encouraging it, but it's going to happen probably. Even sins you and I have yet to commit in the future have been pardoned by the blood of the Lord Jesus. It's a past, present, and future case-dismissed verdict. Again, he, God does not have a case against those <laughs> who have accepted the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus in their place. Now, there's a second benefit he recounts. What's it? Who heals what? How many of your diseases? That can't be right. Good night. In our church family over here, we pray and ache uh, over the fact that a number of our members most dear to us are afflicted with physical maladies of various kinds. So I want you to explain this to me. Huh? Spiritual, and then someone said a word. Listen to me. The first benefit is immediate. Who pardons all your iniquities. You know how long that takes? Boom! Lord Jesus, would you forgive me? I have sinned against you. Yes, I do. Boom! But the second one is not always immediate. It is in some cases. But in all cases, it will one day be. Why? Because we can't live in eternity in these bodies. Folks, we're not even working at all that well here in these bodies. Good night, you have a cold day and every joint in your body hurts. Knees hurt. Hey, let me ask you this question. There's something called a sciatic nerve or something like that. Do you have them on both sides of you? Yeah, yeah, I discovered that. I mean, <clears throat> me bodies are unbelievable. So I went to the doctor about that. Doctor, it hurts here, it hurts here. Yeah, because that's your, whatever you call it. And I said, man, I'm relieved. I thought when my eyes were closed, my wife was beating on me. I'm so relieved. And I said, how do you get that? I don't remember hurting myself. He says, you just get that by getting old. That's it. It's unavoidable. There it is. You just, aren't we always, almost every day, discovering more body parts? Oh, I didn't know I had this. It goes from here to there, and it goes, oh, yeah, that's home. Cool. I know it's there. It hurts. The, these are not fit for eternity. We get, we get glorified bodies. That's when, for sure, all diseases will be healed. I didn't say God doesn't heal here. I just said he doesn't do it all the time here. I just said he does it all the time there. Why doesn't he do it all the time here? Ask him. I don't. I mean, I got answers. But why don't you just go to the source? Why don't you ask him? Obviously, he doesn't. But he will. What's the next benefit David speaks of? Redemption. Redeems your life from the pit. In Hebrew, the pit is the place you put dead people. It's a grave. It's a metaphor for death. We were dead. What do you mean dead? Not physically. Worse. Spiritually. Well, let me ask you a question. What can a dead person do for himself? So when we're spiritually dead, what can we do to please God? What if you're religious? You're still spiritually dead. 
when you come to know the giver of life as personal Savior. He resurrects life in you. You have new life. He saves you from the pit. Then you begin to live a life that's pleasing to him. That's a huge benefit right there that we get. What else? What else that happens? What's next? Now listen to this. When you think of crowning, it's like a coronation. It's where I think of the, you know, the British royalty. One time I went to the British Museum and they have the crown, the crown jewels. And you see the crown like the Queen Elizabeth. They put on her from time to time special functions. I mean, it is unbelievably striking. Bedecked with jewels and rubies and diamonds, all this kind of stuff. This is kind of a metaphor for that. But God loves us too much just to give us jewels. He wants to give us something better than silver and gold. So what is it? Love and compassion. What if you were the richest person on earth but were unloved by the creator of earth? You can have your wealth. I'll take the crown of God's love and compassion. So here's the deal. Most of us as Christians... Maybe not most. Many of us as Christians generally walk around under a load of guilt and self-loathing and condemnation. As Christians, I'm telling you. But why? When God says you're supposed to walk around under, under a crown of loving kindness and compassion. Could it be that I'm believing a lie? Come on. Come on. You know what's happening? More than remembering God's benefits, I'm remembering my stuff. You know what David's saying? Soul, get out of yourself. He's saying, you want to stay on yourself? You'll discover all kinds of stuff you don't like about you. But you're not supposed to walk under a crown of condemnation. Come on. You're supposed to walk under a crown of God's love and compassion. How are we going to be living proof of a loving God if we look like we're so weighted down with all kinds of stuff? I don't get it. This is a crown of love and compassion. And and then it says what in verse 5? What happens? He satisfies your years with good things. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. I'm thinking it too. You're saying that doesn't ring true. I'm grieving loss. I am without. I'm lacking something. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's access to a loved one for whatever. You say, what do you mean good things? Okay, now be reasonable here. That's, that's the language of emotions speaking. And I speak it too. <laughs> but that you feel it doesn't make it true. So here's what's true. In spite of the fact that life brings plenty bumps in the road, that hurt for sure. Be reasonable here and be objective. Is it not true that in spite of it all, God has brought us through to this point today? Is it not true that when we run into this loss or this pain or this hurt, we say, oh, God, I can't handle it? Apparently, he enabled you to. Oh, God. I'm not going to get through this. Apparently, he enabled you to. Oh, God, I'm going under. Apparently, he kept you above water. Oh, God, who's going to take care of me? Apparently, he did. 
You see, he satisfies our life with good things. Why is this verse a little troubling to us? Ah, because we're probably dwelling on the not-so-good things. So we've got to preach to our souls just like David did. So you lose a loved one and you weep. And you're having a hard time getting through the grief. But the loved one was a good thing. Don't you say? So you've got to start dwelling. Oh, God, the very reason why I miss this loved one is because I love being with this loved one. Thank you for that good life experience. Folks, I can't get out of it. I can't. I can't. I... Yeah, you could. With God's help, and so could I. Look, i got to tell you something. I have no idea what tomorrow holds. But I know I can tell you this. Thus far, the Lord has been my help. Today's what? Is today the 20th? Well, 21st? Thank you so much. Um, I know it's Sunday because we're here. So, But the date. So look, look, I can tell you this. As of March 21st, 2010, the Lord has filled my life with good things. But I didn't say I haven't run into bad things. But I can tell you, I, you could too. You could. Let's be objective. Let's be objective. And you know why he does this? So that your youth is renewed like the eagle. What does that mean? Does it, It's like a time machine. All us white-haired, gray-haired people are going to go back to the days of our youthfulness. No, it does not mean that. It's better than that. You know, Sometimes the throes of life can exhaust your uh, emotional energy quotient. It just can leave you depleted and empty. And you, you feel, it's not about chronological age, you feel tired and you feel depleted. But David is saying, but I am who am acquainted with grief, I who suffered such loss, I who have family dysfunction, the likes of which you can hold a candle to, I have seen time and time again when I've been down and depleted and didn't think I could go on and without energy, I have seen you have so taken care of me that you have renewed my youthful energy and enthusiasm so that in essence you've given me wings with which to soar above the circumstances just like an eagle. If we had the time, we'd go around the room and I bet you could testify to that. I bet everyone could. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about God. You see? You know what's cool about this? Psalms is about 22 verses. One verse for each letter in the Hebrew alphabet. They did that on purpose. That way they could more easily memorize it. You can't find one petition or request in it. (laughs) David is stirring up himself to recount the benefits and blessings. We ought to do it. We ought to do it. So then, so then here's what happens. I'm going to pick up the pace. Verse 6, the Lord performs righteous deeds, judgments for all who are oppressed. Now look at this, verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. So here's what's going on. Israel was uh, in trouble and needed a deliverer. 
Moses didn't realize it, but he was going to be it. God said, you're it. Moses said, I can't. God said, you will. You can. I'll help you. So God made his ways known to Moses. Here's the way you should go. Go to Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go. The whole deal. Laden through the wilderness. I got a land of promise. And then God revealed his acts to the sons of Israel. What acts? How about ten plagues? I mean, that's, some, that's not subtle, is it? Oh, my goodness. And then in the wilderness wanderings, how about a pillar of cloud by day and of fire by night? Oh, my goodness. Major stuff. So I ask you a question. How did Israel, the Jewish people, my people, how did they respond? They fell. They rebelled. They hardened their hearts. They went after false gods. You know what they did? They got one of their uh, spiritual leaders to make a, a golden calf. They wanted to worship a cow. They worshiped a cow instead of God. And I've got to tell you why that's so significant. If God enjoyed anger, wrath, and judgment, I wouldn't be standing before you today. There would be no state of Israel. There'd be no more Jewish people. But the fact that there are Jewish people today and there is the state of Israel is your number one proof that God prefers mercy over anger. This is very important for you. Because the next time you feel, oh God, I don't feel secure, I don't feel safe, I, don't, I want you to think of Jewish people. We have received much more privilege than any people group, spiritual privilege than any people group on earth. I mean, good night. The apostles and prophets are Jews. The, the Messiah is Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. What do we do with it? Thanks, but no thanks. What did he do? What did he do? I'll show you what he did. Look at verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. He will not strive with us, uh, uh, nor will he keep his anger, nor will he keep his anger forever. He will keep his mercy forever, but not his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Why? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Why? Well, because he himself knows our frame. He's mindful. We are but dust. Now, this is very, very important. You're going to see, sadly, an increasing movement of the world against Israel. That it happens in the United Nations and in world governments, including our own, is not so surprising to me. But it's also happening in churches. God has, since Israel rejected him, rejected them and replaced them with you, the church. I want to tell you how dangerous that is for you to believe that. 
if he got to a point where he had enough with his own, the natural branches, why in the world would he be merciful to you, the wild olive branches? You know what you're doing if you think God's rejected Israel? You're setting yourself up for tremendous eternal insecurity. If God couldn't fulfill his promises uh, to the Jews, <laughs> he won't with you. And this is why you have to drive the Jews into the sea. I just gave you the explanation for the conflict in the Middle East. It has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with Satan. Satan knows if he can free, if he can rid the world of Jews, he can say, you Christians have put your faith in God in vain. He broke his word to them. He will break his word to you. That's why they have to be annihilated. That's why we have holocausts and ovens. <laughs> and you're going to see a rise of anti-Semitism, the likes of which the world has never seen. Don't be surprised by it. The Bible says it. My only reason for bringing this up is to tell you I hope you don't participate in it. And you may. Be careful. Why do I say this? There's nothing to do with the Jews. It has to do with the character of God. It has to do with the character of God. Rid the world of Jews. Rid the world of the nation of Israel. And you just found out God did not fulfill his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you are no better. So this is very, very important. There's an increasing tendency to be uh, uh, against uh, Jews and against Israel. Israel is seen to be the oppressor every single time by the United Nations. They're the cruel, oppressive, aggressive occupier of land. Wait a doggone stinking minute. Who gave them the land? How do you occupy aggressively the land which has been given to you by Almighty God freely as your inheritance? Can you please tell me? I don't get it. But the propaganda war is being won against Israel. Now, I didn't say the military campaign, but the propaganda war. And I can't tell you what's at stake. And you say, well, Stuart, you're just doing that because you're a Jew. Yeah, but, but that I'm telling you this doesn't mean it's not right. Don't, don't hold the fact that I'm a Jew against me. I'm telling you. Listen to me. If God had wiped out the Jews during the golden calf incident or at manifold other times when they disobeyed him, you would know more about God's wrath than you do about his mercy. But he wants you to know about his mercy. Just as a father has compassion on his children, that means even his wayward children, even his stiff-necked children, even his hard-hearted children. Don't you ache when one of your kids is on the run? Well, don't give yourself more credit than God. Just as a father has compassion on the children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Why? For he himself knows our frame. Now, here's the deal. God knows our frame, what we're made of, but we don't. He knows we're but dust. We think we can be iron. So the better part of our lives is spent in efforts to be so strong that we don't need to confess sin. We don't need his forgiveness. We could be religious. 
So you get some of the most uh, depraved Hollywood personalities you can imagine who are engaged in humanitarian efforts in Haiti. Don't misunderstand. Part B is really good. Humanitarian efforts in such a needy place. I'm not discouraging that. (laughs) But they're trying to hide up for the darkness of their sin (laughs) by humanitarian efforts. By the way, that's what the whole environmental movement is. It's to distract people who are subject to internal environmental pollution. It's to get them to think green instead of red like the color of Jesus' blood. It's an unbelievable new global world religion, environmentalism. I'm all for it. Let's turn out the lights when we're done. Cool. But that ain't the problem. It's in me. I have sinned. I've transgressed, and I keep doing it. That's my nature. Well, God knows our frame. He's mindful we're like that. We're but dust. How does he know that? He made us out of dust. Why didn't he make us iron? I'll tell you why. Because he won't get as much glory when we got it all together. When we're weak, when we're flawed, when we're human, when we're needy, When we owe him a debt, we cannot pay. And we call upon him. And he manifests, instead of his anger and wrath, he manifests just what it says. His slowness to anger. His willingness to be compassionate. In fact, to abound in loving kindness. Who gets the glory? He does. You see? So most of us go through life hiding It's an apron of leaves, just like in Genesis 3. We hide up our nakedness with a lot of good works. I go to church. I put money in the plate. Cool. It's an apron of leaves. So what we're trying to do with all of these things is avoid the cross, which says, I'm empty. I'm a debtor. I cannot live up to your standards. I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. What are you going to do? I need forgiveness. And Jesus says, you have it. I've obtained it. You have a pardon. I've redeemed you from the pit. I will satisfy you with good things. I'm going to crown you with loving kindness and compassion. When you're at your worst, the Lord Jesus is at his best. This is huge. So the next time you doubt all that, you have to think Jewish people. If Israel did not exist and if there were no Jews today you wouldn't have such good evidence. You would know how strong God is, how wrathful he is, but you wouldn't know how compassionate and how merciful he is. It's hugely important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super. Super. Did you buy the soap? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, <just not>. yeah. <laughs> We're all kind of Jewish in a way. Hey, listen, um, by the way, I, I have in my possession 
little gospel tracts and uh, in Hebrew and some other pamphlets that I ordered. If you are ever in a situation like that and would like to put something in the hand of a Hebrew speaker, if you just ask me, no charges, no nothing. I ordered these things from a missions group called Chosen People Ministries. They have great, our church supports them. And, and I, I called them and said, I need something in Hebrew. And, and it's all, it's kosher. It's good stuff. They're just gospel tracts. I got the New Testament in Hebrew and stuff like that. If you ever would like to um, go by and say, uh, um, Here's a little something. Uh, perhaps when you get a chance, you can read it. And maybe if I see you again, I could ask what you think. Simple as that. I'd surely be glad to give it uh, to you. I've got a number of these things. And all you've got to do is, is ask me for it. And, uh, and uh, for you, half price. No, no. Uh, okay, okay. So, so can you say, listen, I want to tell you something. If ever anyone says, How, you know, the Bible, you put such faith in the Bible. A, a great evidence for it is me. What? Will everyone here who is a Philistine, would you please raise your hand? Let me just count. Well, you besides Brother Charles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Philistine. How about any Babylonians? We got any Babylonians? In the car? Well, I, how about this? How about this? Um, how about any, uh, like any Nazis? I'm not talking people who support the Nazi party. We got those. I'm talking about those who were part of the Third Reich, uh, you know, and survived it all. Would you, would you kind of raise your hand? I'd love to see you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here's the deal. Um, here's the deal. But, but I'm here. Why? How could it be that mightier, greater nations who have persecuted the Jews historically have come and gone, but the Jews, puny little Jews, why are we still here? I'll tell you why. It has nothing to do with anything in us. Surely not any good thing. <sighs> what we have done with response to our own Messiah. Terrible. It's the number one manifestation that God is a God of grace and compassion and that he keeps his word. When he told you, I'll never leave, I'll never leave you or forsake you, say, oh God, how can I believe this? You say, well, Stuart, I mean it. I'm being a little facetious. I'm just trying to tell you, if God didn't get rid of my people entrusted with so much and responding so little, but if he said, no, I will bring them forth and one day all Israel will be saved. Read it. I didn't say it. Read it in the Bible. Read the last book of the book of Revelation. We're still around. God made promises that we would be. That's the number one proof that the Bible is real, that God keeps his word, that you can be confident. When you read the word of God, you see its promises. You don't have to say, oh, God, is this really true? You just say, yeah, I mean, there's Jews. You see? That's why Satan has to get rid of us. That's why he will rally the godless leaders of the world to do so. It's growing like crazy. I mean, I've never seen... I mean, Europe has not been as anti-Semitic since the time of Nazi Germany. It's getting wild and wild and crazy. I mean, our own vice president did a real fine job in his recent visit to uh, to Israel. I'm not against the vice president, the president, or anything. I pray for them. Don't misunderstand. I don't like Satan. So don't narrow down the target. You want to shoot then you engage in spiritual warfare prayers. Don't be attacking politicians. They're just pawns. <laughs> let's go to the top. Let's, 
Let's take out the five-star general. Not some puny colonel. Go against Satan. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Yeah, Bill? Oh, man. Right on time. Oh, yeah. That is good. And, and, and once again, i got to insist, it's not because of any good thing in or about the Jewish people. It's about the goodness, the compassion, the promises of Almighty God. If he bypasses the Jews because of their disobedience, then when is he going to bypass you because of yours? You see? Yeah, Charlie? Here we go. Buckle up. Okay. Um, um, prefer if you spoke for yourself right at present. But um, I hope you're not hearing from me uh, uh, um, any insinuation that we Christian people should turn our hearts against any people group, including Arab people groups. My wife just got back from a Muslim country with members of our church where they looked for the opportunity to share with uh, Arab and, and uh, Persian Muslim people the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so uh, look, loving Israel does not require hating somebody else. But loving somebody else, for instance, if you have a heart for the, for the Palestinians, and I hope you do, I do, um, uh, so having a heart for the Palestinians doesn't mean you have to harden your heart to Israel. But that's the tendency that's happening. Now, that, that, that's all I'm saying. We are citizens of, uh, of heaven. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ, not a political party, not any particular people group. And the cosmic battle is between Satan and Savior. It has nothing to do with health care plans and all this kind of stuff. Don't set your sights too low. <laughs> Let's go to the top where the real battle is. And let's just say, oh, God, would you bind Satan? Thank you, God, for preserving Israel alive to this very day, specifically because they don't deserve it. <laughs> and neither do I the inheritance which I am assured of because I have seen how faithful and compassionate you have been in the face of Israel's disobedience. So to my own. See? Okay, now we're going to end here. And here's what I want to ask you to do on your own. Read the last few verses of Psalm 103. It's very cool. You know what David's saying? All along he's been stirring up his own soul to praise God. But he doesn't want to sing a praise solo. He wants the world to join in praising God. So that's what he says. He calls upon the angelic host. He calls upon all of creation to get with the program and praise God. It's very, 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 very cool. So once again, folks, not one request or petition in all of Psalm 103. I'm not saying there's no place for that. But we're given to that a little more readily than we are to blessing God by remembering his benefits, by reflecting on his holy name, all of his perfections. I can't tell you what good therapy this is. Praise God. Think of who he is. Think of what he's done. Think of who you are in his eyes. Stop staying so much with all your stuff. You got to grow. You got to do. You like the blah, blah, blah. Start saying, oh, God, <laughs> you know I'm dust. So when I'm dust, 
I'm just being me. And it doesn't meet with your disapproval. It meets with your compassion and loving kindness and all of them. It shouldn't ought to be that I need a drink or a pill to feel good. It ought to be that I stay under my crown of loving kindness and compassion. That ought to be enough. Come on. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for everything. For everything good has come from on high. Uh, The world can satiate us in various ways, but only you can satisfy. Thank you for how secure and safe we are. Evidence? Good night. You didn't reject and replace Israel. Neither will you us. Thank you that you love us just like a compassionate father, extending your hand to us every single day, even when we're on the run. Thank you for redeeming us, for pardoning us, for saving our lives from the pit, for blessing our lives with good and satisfying things. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're seated on the throne. What a vantage point. Nothing takes you by surprise. Thank you that you're sovereign. Thank you that you can use every even ungodly ruler of the world to accomplish your purposes. And just think, we know you as a Ba Father. We are your kids. Overwhelming. We will bless you, Lord Jesus, with every ounce of our being. Help us to be better at it. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, fellow pilgrims. There's all kinds of dust in this room. Man, we need to be dusted off. (laughs) Sir? Uh, Next week, Brother Chuck is going to, I think, teach another psalm. And after Easter, I think we do Jeremiah. I think. I just work here.